All right, we doing good? Come on, we doing all right? All right, I want you to multiply your noise. This is the service where we have the highest number of people joining us on the other side of those cameras each and every weekend. So would you help me say hello to first-time guests as well as your church family who's doing church online from wherever you are this morning. Come on, can we say hello this morning? We're glad that you're here. And if it is your first time, my name is Michael. I'm the lead pastor here. And that was my wife, Amanda, that I just embarrassed stuff on stage. And so uh, we're, we're thrilled to have you here. And uh, on behalf of all of our staff, all of our leadership, thanks for joining us this morning. And uh, if it's your first time, we look forward to getting to know you a little bit. Make sure you hook us up with that connection card at the end of service and, and tell us a little bit about yourself. I have a lot of stuff to say to you today, so I'm going to dive right in. And we're going to move really fast. So if you're using the True Life Church app to follow along, there are notes available to you there. You've got to fill in the blanks or whatever system you're going to use to capture what God says to your heart today. Get it ready because we are going to move, all right? So remember this passage last week I shared with you as we talked about stress? Luke 21, 34, Jesus says, Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the, everybody say the next word, anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap, like a trap. I wanted to come back to this passage again today as we have our, our third week of Asking for a Friend, this series where we're kind of asking some questions that really all of us probably need to know answers to, but sometimes it can be a little bit embarrassing to ask them. And um, the, the topic I want to talk about today, this is exactly how a lot of us feel, like we're stuck in a trap, and uh, it's actually the number one. I don't know if you remember last week, and I shared with you what the American Psychological Association says are the top stress triggers in America, and, um, and I just really felt like we needed to take a weekend and lean into the number one stress trigger in America, and so the question we're going to answer this morning is this, how do I get, everybody say that word, money, right, and now depending on your background and your, your experience with church, Immediately, you may have gotten nervous this morning because you're convinced that this is going to be about us getting something from you or some sort of fundraising or some sort of special offering, and I just want to take that off the table right now. That's not what this morning is about. In fact, if you've been at True Life Church long enough, you know we never ask you for anything, ever. Uh, we try to steward things well so that we don't ever have to ask you for anything ever. In fact, my heart is that people want to be generous. That's what I believe. I think people want to be generous. They're just strapped. Uh, they just, maybe you're even like I was 20 years ago when my wife and I got married. Uh, we didn't really have anybody who, was, who taught us good financial principles. And so we made some terrible decisions early on in our adult life that honestly, we'd probably be further along even today than we are if we'd have had some of the stuff that I'm going to teach you today. So I just want you to know I don't need anything from you. Our church operates on margin. I'm going to talk to you about that throughout the message. Today is really all about helping you answer this question because God actually has a lot to say about the topic of your finances and your stuff. Jesus talked about it far and away more than any other topic in the scriptures. Did you all know that? Like more than heaven and hell, uh, <clears throat> more than miracles, more, more than anything, Jesus talks to us about how to steward, how to handle our stuff. And, and I want to use a, a passage of scripture that, a story in your Bible that is it probably not typically used to talk about money, but I want to illustrate for us uh, how, how money can be broken in our lives when we get caught in, in negative patterns and bad patterns. And then we'll come back at the end of the message. I'm going to give you some principles uh, to get it right. All right. So here we go. You guys are probably all familiar uh, with this story, or at least you've probably heard the words the prodigal son. Anybody familiar with that phrase? Anybody heard the, the phrase prodigal son? All right. If you haven't, it's a, it's a story. It's not a true story. It's a parable. It's one of the stories that Jesus tells to illustrate the heavenly, our heavenly father's heart towards us, towards his people. And it's in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons, the father. The younger one said to his father, everybody say the next two words, gimme. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Come on, how many know we live in a world of give me, right? We live in the American society is give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. If I had a nickel for every time I've heard the phrase fundamental human right, (laughs) 
And we call things fundamental human rights in Western society that I think have to be so offensive to the rest of the world, where people can't even get clean water. And we're like, but my cell phone is a fundamental human right. I need to be able to text my friends. I got text some, I got to have Instagram. It's a right. Come on, somebody. Hello. We, we, we say things are rights in our society that the rest of the world, are, I think, has got to be looking at us going, for real? That's incredibly offensive. Like, I would be happy to have one-tenth of what you have. And you, and you call it a, a right because you breathe, you should have it. I just think that's really dangerous language, and that's what we do. We say, give me. Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And we see right up front the first thing that will cause money to not work for you. Is it okay that I'm just diving right in this morning? Is that all right with you guys? Because I want to help you, all right? So I just I want to make this statement. Money won't work. It doesn't work when we're consumed with having more. It won't work. It won't work. It won't work. It won't work. Ecclesiastes says it's better to have one hand full with tranquility than to have two hands full chasing the wind. And that's, that's kind of where a lot of us are. We, we, we kind of know, like I probably don't need all of this and it's creating a lot of extra stress for me and I'm chasing a lot of stuff I don't need to chase. I could just be content with one handful and have tranquility, but there's something in us that constantly wants to go for, go more, get more, grab more, grab more, grab more. And it's, it's not inherently bad or sinful to, to accumulate things at different times and different seasons. The question is, why? What are you serving? What are you worshiping? How much of your life and values are being dictated by trying to keep two hands full? And money will not work for you when you're consumed with having more. Somebody say amen this morning. I'm going to give it to you straight today. Is that all right? Can I do that? Can I just go for it? Can I just give it to you? Uh, we made some terrible mistakes early in our marriage that really, truthfully, came down to just, I just wanted more. I just wanted more. Uh, we came into our marriage with two cars that were paid off. They were fine. Come on, y'all. They were fine. They ran. They would get us from one place to the other. Amanda had a white Acura Integra from 1906 or something. I don't remember. <laughs> if you went like this on the paint, it would look like you wiped a chalkboard, all right? Because you and you just have white oxidized paint. All but guess what? It ran. It would go from one place to the other. But I, I, we we had new jobs. I had I was a youth pastor. I was making thirty thousand dollars a year. I would, I went from hundred dollars a week to thirty thousand dollars a year. I was rich. I was rich. Come on, I mean, no, 30,000 doesn't do nothing. Doesn't do nothing. <laughs> it, it, just, it just doesn't do nothing. And, and so I, we go from that to that, and then Amanda got a job. She started teaching, probably doubled our income, and it was like, oh, you know. And then you, you start telling yourself things like, well, hey, you know, uh, we, we, it's probably going to break. It's probably going to break down at some point, so we might as well just go ahead and, and replace it now. And then you, then you take the test drive. Come on, how many of you ever know, if there's anything that the devil enter, ever invented, it's a test drive, right? You get in there and you smell it, you're like, it's like a drug. Come on, how many know new car smell is a drug? You know, and when you're young and you've been driving old cars, even used car smell is a drug. It's like, it, it don't smell new, but it smells better than mine, you know what I'm saying? And, and we didn't just do it once. Like, we kept a car for a couple years, and then when we, something shiny would catch my eye, and I'd be like, oh. I remember, I remember uh, convincing my wife when we lived in Jacksonville. Um, like, we didn't even have kids on the radar. We weren't sure when we were going to have kids or how that was going to happen. We had some medical concerns delaying that. I convinced her that we needed to lease. That's a, to lease a brand new I think it was a 2005 Dodge Durango, leather, DVD player in the roof. Like, there ain't nobody in our back seat. Nobody back there. Nobody's there. 
we leased a brand new Dodge Durango and, and the whole thing was like, well, we're gonna have kids eventually and they're gonna need a DVD player. That was the whole reason. That was the logic. Come on, how many know money will jack you up when you get consumed with having more? Amen? It'll, it'll just mess you up. And that's where the prodigal son's first mistake happened. Give me, I need more, I need more. He continues on, Luke 15, 13. Not long after that, so he says to the father, hey, give me my share, give me everything. And the father obliges, he gives him all, all of his share, which by the way, your heavenly father will sometimes say yes to, do, yes to you even though he knows it's not what's best for you. The father knows my son's not ready for this, but he gives it to him anyway. Y'all with me? That's why I love the gospel so much. That's why I love this job so much. I'm going to teach you principles today to get money right. I'm going to teach you how to do things God's way, and I don't have to try to manipulate you, shame you, or guilt you into doing it. I think we can have the same heart of the father, which is, go ahead, do it your way. You'll be back you'll be back. Because if you don't do it God's way, it doesn't work. So not long after he gets his share, the younger son uh, got together all of the, that his father gave him and he set off for a distant country. So the father gives him everything and, I, and I'd imagine the father says, hey, I know you want it all, so I'll, I'll give it to you right now, but I just need you to know, I'm not sure you're ready for this. And I'm concerned you're going to make some poor choices with this, but just please be careful. In fact, if you ever have a question on how to use this or how to steward it or, or what to do with it or how to invest it or how to build a family with it, just ask me. I would, I would love to give that to you. But the problem is money won't work for us when we're consumed with having more, and it won't work for us when we want everything. Come on, everybody say everything. Right now. Right now. Um, we, have a, we, have, we have a big college right down the road here. Some of you have attended there. Some of you have kids there. Some of you are students there. And um, it's amazing to me how credit card companies will target that demographic. Even on move-in day, certain places on, certain, on some campuses in America, they'll have tables set up all over the place to, to get you your first credit card, to get you, get you moving. And, 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 then, and they tell you this lie, that you need to establish your credit. No, you need to establish money in your bank. It's, it, and it's all built on this idea of get it now. Get it now, get it now, get it now. Um, I want to say something to young married people. Don't make, don't make the mistakes that my wife and I made. Young married people, you, you, you get married and, and then you think you should have the same house mom and dad had right now. You should drive the same car mom and dad drove right now. Sure is quiet this morning. Come on, can I give you some, can, can I give you just some loving, fatherly pastor advice this morning? Wait. Wait. It's okay to rent the cheaper apartment right now and save up that down payment. It's, it's, you, don't, you don't, come on, you don't need everything right now. You don't need Hulu and Netflix and Disney Plus and YouTube TV and direct, come on, come on somebody, you don't need, it's, and you might get to a season in your life where you have enough margin that you can say yes to, to more of those things. But how many know you don't need it all right now? It's the, you don't need the buy now pay later. I know your house won't look as nice on Instagram. Come on, y'all. Go, go get you two or three nice pillows, set up a little Instagram corner so that you can keep your social media reputation intact. And then do what Dave Ramsey says. Live like nobody else right now so that later you can live like nobody else. Come on. You with me? Get it, it's this get it now, get it now, and you don't, you don't have to do that. In fact, get creative about how you can create income. When we were, when we were married, um, early on in our marriage, I started realizing, oh, is not that much. We need some money. We need some cash. Anybody ever been there? We need some cash. Some of you are going to judge me right now, and I just need you to know, I don't care. We had, um, we had two little Cocker Spaniel dogs in our house, two girls, Lady and Lucy, and I looked at them and I said, hey, y'all are expensive. You're eating a lot of food. You're gonna have to get in the game. 
you're going to have to help provide around here. I bred those cockers four times. I, I bred $600 a puppy. Come on, somebody. They got in the game. They, they, they got in the game. I know. We were responsible and careful, and they were certified. They were AKC dogs. They were, I mean, they were legit. They were good. But come on, 600 times 20. Come on. Get in the game. I was like, come on. I'm feeding you. I think we probably still have stuff in our house that we paid for with puppy money. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's probably still there. You don't have to get everything right now. You don't need it all right now. And then he goes on, Luke 15, 13, and, and there... He squandered his wealth in wild living, which I think is kind of an epidemic um, because we just don't know how to handle money correctly. I don't think any of us wake up in the morning and think, you know what I'm going to do today? Squander it all. I want to be broke by bedtime. I don't think any of us start the day with that. But we do it. We do it. I heard a statistic recently that that uh, Americans this year will spend over $240 billion in gambling alone. Two hundred and four. Like here, I'm going to give you 100, and there's a point, decimal point, something, something, something chance that I get any of it back. And I'm just, why do we do that? We're, we're, we squander we squander, we squander, we squander. People say to me, sometimes they'll say, hey, pastor, if I ever win the lottery, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tithe. And I think, no, you won't. No, you won't. Because you're squandering what you have now, and you'll squander what you have then. That's why Jesus says what you do with a little is a great tell of what you will do when you have a lot. Y'all tracking with me this morning? Too straight? Too hard? Y'all okay? Deep breath. Come on. All right, money doesn't work when we try to get it all right now. It also doesn't work when we engage in self-destructive behavior. That's what he did. He went off and squandered it all on wild living. And by the way, it doesn't have to be gambling. It doesn't have to be gambling. One of the mistakes we made early is we would go eat out all the time. We'd go to the restaurants. We'd hit the drive throughs I sat with a young person not too long ago and went line item by line item through their budget to help them find margin. Do you know how much margin was available when we removed Wawa? Like, I'm like, bro, you could invest this and be a millionaire in 40 years. Just Wawa, just Wawa. Just get rid of Wawa. And you're going to be all right. Don't, you don't have to do that. I encourage you to study it. Eating out is at least two times more expensive than buying the groceries, clipping the coupons, and making your meals at home. In fact, I think it could be up to three times more expensive because now they'll just bring it to you. You don't even have to go to the restaurant. They'll, they'll add on basically the cost of one more meal, and somebody else will drive to the restaurant and bring it and set it on your front porch. I'm not saying it isn't wonderful. I'm just saying you don't have to do it that often. Come on, y'all with me this morning? We don't have to, don't engage in self-destructive behavior. He squandered everything. And then after he had spent everything, he spent everything. And I'm concerned because we actually don't have a lot of good models around this in our society right now. We certainly don't get examples of this from our government. Right? He, he, we just, we just don't. Can I just, can I just say something to you this morning? I, I just, I love you. If you don't have one, you need a budget. Say amen. You need a budget. And, um, and I want to help you define what a budget is. A budget is not sitting down and writing down all the things that you spend money on. That's not a budget. A budget starts with your income and ends with something left over. So a budget is when you establish, based on my income, how do I get housing, transportation, food, clothing, water, basic needs, then you build on top of that. And, and a budget only works if you actually stick to it and create a budget where there's something bigger than zero left over at the end. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? 
And we just don't have a lot of great examples on this. Don't, you don't have to go right up to your limits. You need to have margin, margin. One of the reasons so many of us feel financial stress is because we operate with no margin, no margin. And I just want to tell you, um, we, I, I try to make sure that we model this for you. Your church operates, you just need to know, the reason I can say this to you and be so direct this morning is because I don't need anything from you. The church doesn't need anything from you. We'll get things done faster with your generosity, but we believe in margin. Like, we, you could, you, nobody, everybody today could decide never to give another penny, and we'd still be here for a while. We'd be here for a while. Now, it hadn't always been that way. It took us time to build margin. Used to be if nobody gave anything, we'd be here for about 24 hours. All right? But Jason, Jason, who's our, our, one of our, he's our secretary treasurer and also our bookkeeper, we had a conversation recently because church's giving always dips during the summer, and so we watch our margin very closely during the summer, and people are away, they're traveling, all that kind of stuff. And so we, we had a conversation about how many months of margin were, were in the bank, and I started laughing on the phone. He's like, what's so funny? I was like, we're talking about months of margin. Like, I remember talking about days and weeks of margin. That's in the history of our church. In fact, during the pandemic, I just want you all to know, when nobody was coming to church in person, it was because of your generosity and the margin that we operate with that we were able to quickly pivot, upgrade technology, buy new cameras, built that big sound booth back there, which wasn't cheap, by the way, upgraded lighting to make sure that for all of the people who are sitting at home doing church, we could create the best experience possible. It was a quick pivot. It was an expensive pivot, but we didn't have to sweat it because of margin. And so I need you to know this morning, money will not work when you spend everything that you have. When you spend everything that you have. Talked about those credit card companies that are targeting young people on college campuses. The average credit card balance in America today is over $16,000. And the average American has three credit cards. Y'all tracking that? I mean, just do the math on that. No wonder we're stressed out. No wonder we feel like we're carrying such a crushing burden. Student debt has quadrupled over the last several years. And we, I mean, some, we have people getting degrees in things that I don't even know that you can get a job doing that. So you owe $100,000 and you don't even have a way to get it. And so I'm just saying we don't have to drink the cultural Kool-Aid on this. You don't have to have everything right now. Come on, somebody. I had a girl washing my hair at the salon the other day, and I thought she was a young adult. She wasn't. Um, and she's asking me what I do for a living, so I'm telling her, pastor of the church, all that. I said, how about you? What's your deal? And she's like, well, I'm working here because... I'm going to vocational high school. I want to learn, I'm going to learn cosmetology. I won't have to have any student debt. I'll get to come right out and start cutting hair, and I'm going to have a job, and I'm going to take care of myself. And I was like, come on, girl. Way to go. Fantastic. It's awesome. Come on. You don't have to spend everything you have. Can I hear an amen this morning? And then the son, of course, after he spent everything that he had, a storm came a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. And can I tell you, there's storms coming. They're going to come. There ain't nothing you're going to be able to do about it. And money won't work when we're unprepared for the storms. If you spend everything you have, you can't be ready when when there's no income. You can't be ready. And my wife and I felt this. We went through this. After spending most of our young adult lives spending everything we had, suddenly we had nothing to spend. We had a job that the company went belly up. Our, our source of income overnight disappeared. It's embarrassing. So embarrassing. Just, I felt so much shame. I felt like such a failure. Had to hand the keys to the, to the Dodge Durango back to the bank and say, take it. So much for establishing your credit. Come on, y'all. It's a, it, was, it was over. It's done. But how many know pain is a great motivator to learn a better way? Amen? It's a, it's a great motive. And so you're going to have some bad days. 
you're going to have some circumstances. And some of them are uh, created by our decisions, but sometimes you're going to go through storms that are even spiritual. I just want to take a second right here to uh, a plug where we're going to be uh, about 10 days from now, I think. I'm not great at math. Somewhere in that neighborhood. First Wednesday is right around the corner. And um, it'll be the first Wednesday of October. And I'm actually going to talk about some of the storms that you're going to go through that are spiritual storms. I'm going to talk to you about spiritual warfare. All right? I know it's October, Halloween's coming, and so we like to talk about all the, the ghouls and the goblins and the ghosts and all that kind of stuff and the, and the funny and the candy. But I'm going to talk to you about the parts that are real that there is spiritual warfare going on, that there is an enemy that hates you, and I'm going to arm you and equip you to go out and do battle, all right? Cool? You want that? Yeah. A couple of you want that. <laughs> I'm not sure what the rest of you want, but okay. All right, so when money won't work for us when we're not ready for the storm. Um, by the way, we're going to take communion at that first Wednesday together as well, so if you want to be a part of communion with your church family, be at the first Wednesday for, for October, all right? And then after this, he came to his, everybody say the next word. This is what I'm hoping will happen for some people today that will come to our senses. And he said, how many of my father's hired servants, not even the family, the employees, the people that work for him have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I love this. I love this because the son realizes there's something I can do about this. I don't have to stay here. I, there, there's something I can do to get better. I can go to, at least I can go to my father. Come on, how many know your father's always ready for you to come back? Your heavenly father's always ready for you to come back. He's always ready for you to get back to his principles, his way of doing things, his way of living. And, uh, and, and this is one of the reasons why I think the church should operate with margin so that when people come back, come on, y'all, when people who are out squandering their lives in wild living, who are making bad choices, who are accumulating shame, who are accumulating guilt, come on, the church should always have a little extra grace. The church should always have a little extra hope. The church should always have a little extra love. The church should always have a little bit of extra financial margin so that when people come back to the Father and say, hey, I'm messed up and now I'm broken and empty, can you do anything for me? And the Father, come on, the Father's always ready to bring his kid back into the house. Always ready, always ready, always ready. And he was. He, he received him back. And so what I want to do now with the rest of our time together is give you principles that will make money work. In fact, let me use a, a passage that we commonly use for, for Christmas, since Christmas is closer than any of us want to admit. For to us a child is born, to us a, everybody say the next word, son. A son is given. That's important because he's royalty. It sets up what's coming next, and the government will be on his shoulders and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Everybody say Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace. Wouldn't you like to, when you think about money, when you think about your finances, wouldn't you like for it to be peaceful? Not stressful, not full of regret or shame. Wouldn't you like it to be peaceful? Come on, raise your hand if you'd like money to be a peaceful conversation in your house and in your heart. Yeah, I, I think all of us would like that. Prince of peace. And when, when, he, when, when it, the scripture calls him prince, this is not like prince charming. This is not like uh, the, the, the prince who dresses up and goes to the ball. It's actually not what the word is. The, the word is actually sar. Prince of peace, sar Shalom. And the word Sar actually means Lord, Chief, General, the one in charge. Can I help you with a principle this morning? If you want peace around your, mind, your money and your stuff, you can't be the one in charge. He has to be the one in charge. Sar. He's, he's the Chief, the General, the one in charge. Uh, interesting fact about your Bible. The phrase Lord appears over 7,800 times. The word Savior only appears 36. Everybody wants a Savior, but what you actually need is a Lord. Can I give it to you that straight this morning? We all like God the Savior, the Rescuer, and he'll be that for you. But can I tell you, the Scriptures say far more about him being the Lord of your life, the Chief, the General, the One in Charge, than they say about him being the savior of your life. In fact, really, the, the salvation experience 
is I, I am now saved, I am rescued from an eternity away from God, and the, and the exchange that takes place is really supposed to be that from this point on, he is Sar, Lord, Chief General of my life and everything that I have and everything that I steward. Everybody wants a Savior, nobody wants a Lord. He is the Lord, the one in charge of shalom, rest, tranquility, wholeness, completeness, contentment. And I just want to show you this connection in Scripture. It shows up multiple times. Uh, Psalm 4.8, in peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. They always go together, peace and Lord. Uh, Psalm 29.11, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with, say it, peace, right? Acts 10.36, New Testament, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is what? Lord of all. One more, Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to experience peace in your life, lordship is the, is, is the secret sauce. It's the key ingredient. If you do it your way, no peace. If you do it God's way, you'll have peace. How many would like to have peace when it comes to money? I would. I'd like to have peace. And so the thing about a prince is he has principles. See what I did there? He has principles. He has principles for your finances. He has principles for your marriage. He has principles around morality. Principles. If you want to have peace, follow the principles given to you by the prince, the czar of peace. And I just want to make a statement this morning that's a little hard, but I need you to hear me. Most of our stress comes from ignoring God's principles. It really does. And so I want to give you just six, and we're going to go really fast. Six principles that will create peace. I think you can apply these to a lot of areas of your life, but we're going to use them specifically to talk about money this morning. All right, here's the first one. First principle is the principle of obedience. Principle of obedience. How, how do I get money right? How do I get money to work? Well, you're going to have to start by obeying God. This is the baseline. This is, this, nothing else works unless we establish this. It's, it's, the, it's the part where I take my pride and I lay it down and I surrender and I say, God, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to do it your way. But obedience. And I, only, I'm just take a couple seconds on this because I am specifically talking here about the tithe, the principle of the tithe. Malachi chapter 3, verse 7, ever since the days of your ancestors, you have, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. So God is speaking through Malachi, the prophet, uh, and he's saying, hey, you've been doing it your way. And so you don't have peace. In fact, that's the whole book of Malachi. Is each chapter is devoted to an area that the, that the Jewish people, the Israelites, were doing things their own way instead of God's way. So he, one chapter is, is marriage, one, one chapter is money, finances, stuff. That's Malachi chapter 3. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you're ignoring my decrees. You failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I'll return to you. Come on, isn't that a great promise from God? He says, just come back and, and, and we'll, just, we'll reconcile straight up, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away? Should people cheat God, God asks them, yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And God says, you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse. For your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the, everybody say this word, storehouse. Okay, and so I just want you to know, just from a theology perspective at True Life Church, we believe in what's called local storehouse giving. If you study the scriptures, all throughout the Old Testament, the tithe came into the local storehouse, the local temple. All right? That's the, and so uh, and we see no indication in the New Testament that that goes away. The only thing that changes in the New Testament is this is not law. So this is not a condition for salvation, it's spiritual principle. So it's, it has nothing to do with how much God loves you, it has nothing to do with whether or not you're saved, it does have something to do with how much of God's favor and blessing and covering is on your stuff. Does that make sense? That, so everything we see as Old Testament law actually continues into the New Testament as principle. And so he, he says, bring the tithes into the storehouse. So if true life is not your church, don't tithe here. If you're kicking the tires and, and trying different churches, 
wait until you find home. When you go, this is home. I belong here. This, this is going to be our spiritual family. Then I believe that becomes your local storehouse. That's where the tithes should go. That's uh, uh, Amanda and I, the, the, it's, the, it's really not even just the amount, it's the order. So the first check we write, it's actually not a check, it's a click. The first click we click is to return to God what is his. The first tenth of all, every, all the increase that comes into our home, whether it's salary or, or a successful investment or a, a side hustle, no matter what, if it's an increase, the first tenth we return to God through the local storehouse. So there will be enough food in my temple. Literally, how do you think we put all the snacks in Dream Team Central, all right? There's gotta be enough food in the temple. I thought that was funny. Why didn't y'all laugh at that? He says, if you do, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, I'll open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a, come on, say it, blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Some translations say, test me. Or he does say it. Put me to the test. It says, and, and your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they're ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's army. In, in other words, God actually wants us to bring our stuff under his covering so that he can pour out his blessing on it, not for you to accumulate more, but so he can use you to bring delight to the world around you. You are blessed, not for your own benefit, not for your own gain. You will benefit from it, but come on, you're blessed to be a blessing to others. Say amen if you're with me this morning. You have more than you need because God wants you to take some of the more and invest it in somebody else. Invest it in somebody else. So principle number one, if you want money to work for you, is you gotta get it under God's covering. Start with obedience. This is the baseline. Nothing else works without that. The second principle is the principle of contentment. Contentment. This is the whole, we said money doesn't work if you think you have to have everything right now. And I wanna give you the, I wanna give you the, the key, the secret to developing a heart of contentment. Ready? It's gratitude. It's gratitude. So, in fact, I would encourage you, before you make that purchase, because you've convinced yourself you need it, sit down and decide first if you have already have enough to be thankful for. Just make a list. Just start writing down the things that I'm thankful for. Gratitude is the secret. And so, when, when you have gratitude, it'll help you develop contentment, which is the, it's the ability to say, I, I, I love having this, but I don't need it. I, I, I love being able to drive a, a nicer vehicle, but I don't need it. I'd, I'd love to have four bedrooms instead of three, or five instead of four, or six instead of five, but I don't need it because I'm grateful for what I already have. You all tracking with me this morning? Contentment. Obedience, and obedience will actually lead you to a place of contentment. That's why Paul, when he wrote to Timothy, said, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. Y'all have heard the joke before. You don't ever see a hearse towing a U-Haul. Some of you don't get it. You're not taking it with you. You're not taking it with you. You're gonna take nothing out, but if we have food and clothing, we will be, everybody say it, content with that. Those who wanna get rich fall into temptation and a trap, that's where some of us are, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And then here's the verse that a lot of us have misquote, for the love of money, money's not evil, Money's just a tool, something we use. Money's not evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. I'll say it to you this way. We've said it before. Having stuff is not sin. It's when stuff has you that it becomes a problem. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. In the pursuit of 
wealth and the pursuit of more, we can lose our families, we can lose our character, we can lose our friendships, we can even lose favor with God. Not our salvation, but he's a, he's a father who will say, okay, go do it your way. You'll be back. You'll be back. The average car payment in America, I looked this up this week. The average new car payment in America right now is $575 a month. I don't know, I think my first apartment was $600 a month. $575 a month is the average new car payment in America. Dave Ramsey says if you take that same amount of money and put it in a Roth IRA from age 30 to age 65, you'll end up with somewhere between five and six million dollars. Come on, drive the beater, you know what I'm saying? Put it in there. 5.6 million dollars. Be content now, and you'll actually be more blessed later. Proverbs 30 verse 8 says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. I love this. But give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. So God, just teach me to be content. Help me to stay right in the middle. Here's the third one the principle of margin. I've already talked a lot about it, so I'll go quick. But when we don't have margin in our lives, it creates stress. It's not just financial margin. So uh, a lot of us have no margin with our time. We're not stewarding our time well. I know, because I notice how many of us are here when church actually starts. I'm just gonna say, it's awkward, isn't it? So I, I just, I know, like, if, I, if it takes 23 minutes to get somewhere, I need to leave 33 minutes before that, because then I'm going to get there and I'm going to have margin. Margin creates peace. Margin creates rest. By the way, if you ran late this morning, don't feel condemned or shamed. Or, you know, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just saying, I, I know from the, 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 the comings and the goings and the dealings that I have with people every single week, most people have no margin in their time. No margin in their time. And if you've got kids that you're trying to get up and get ready for church, come on, how many know there's no such thing as enough margin? Like it's not, it's not, like you need to get up about three in the morning probably to get somewhere by 10 a.m. Anybody else feeling me? So I don't want anybody to feel shamed or condemned and I don't know, I didn't notice today who came in when. I'm just saying, I sometimes look out here in the auditorium as we start a worship service and I'm, I'm thinking surely people want to create margin in their life so they can get here and get in God's presence and worship their creator and sing together in corporate worship. And then, and sometimes we do, you know, right around the third song. And I'm just, I'm just asking you, do you need to evaluate margin? Do you need to evaluate margin? Put margin in your schedule so that you never have to feel rushed. You never have to feel hurried. Stuff's going to happen. You're going to have a flat tire. You're going to spill coffee on yourself on the way out the door. Those, those, those moments are going to happen. But just create margin, create margin. Proverbs 21, 20, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. And if I could just give you a little advice with the season that we're in right now, Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. Are y'all excited? I'm excited. We're planning Christmas services right now. I'm excited. We're, We're thinking we're gonna do four of them here. We might have to do five. I'm excited. I can't wait to get everybody in here and celebrate the birth of our Savior together. But if I could give you a little bit of advice about Christmas this year, here's here's a word I'd like to give you this morning. Don't be afraid to simplify. Simplify. If you're anything like us, you probably go a little overboard at Christmas, right? You, 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 You probably have a mountain of things around the tree for your kids or for the grandkids, all that kind of, and that's great. That's great, but the key to margin is to know when to simplify. It, it doesn't have to be over the top. It doesn't have to be lavish. You don't, you don't have to do it that way. 
By the way, we, we're going to do the Christmas shop here, and we are going to try to go over the top for those families that we get to serve every year at Christmas. If you've never been a part of that here at True Life, we, we take a, a weekend in December. We convert the entire building into a shopping mall. We work with our partners across the county to identify families who, without help, might not have anything around the tree that Christmas. We invite them in, we give them an opportunity to shop, we gift wrap everything, and we send them home with the love of Jesus, and we say, y'all get to have, you get to have Christmas in your house, and, it's, and it's, on the house. it's on behalf of heaven, it's on behalf of Jesus and his people. So if you've never had the opportunity to be a part of that, get ready now, it's gonna be fantastic. We'll start talking to you about it soon. But it might be okay this year to simplify a little bit. In fact, maybe you need to take some advice from the great theologian, Buddy the Elf, who said, I thought maybe we could make gingerbread houses and eat cookie dough and go ice skating and maybe even hold hands. Come on, just simplify. Just simplify. Might be all right. All right, fourth principle, and that is the principle of generosity. Generosity. Psalm says, good will come to those who are what? and lend freely who conduct their affairs with justice. And I, I want to give you just a, a, a free, simple way to do this. On your way out of the auditorium today, uh, as, you, as you go out through the lobby, right before you go outside, you'll see a little sign there with some business, looks like business cards. We call those acts of kindness cards. I should, I should have brought one up here with me. We call them acts of kindness cards. Um, Acts of kindness cards are not gospel tracts, all right? So don't just hand it to somebody with nothing attached to it. Don't, uh, I, I heard somebody, somebody came to me one time, they're like, yeah, I've just been leaving them on the urinals in the bathroom. And I'm like, no. That's, no. That is absolutely not how we want you to use that. Here's how you use an act of kindness card, all right? You couple the card with an act of generosity so that people know Jesus had something to do with it. That's it. It just says something extra, so it only works if there's extra. Y'all tracking. Something extra. The card itself is not the extra. What you do is the extra. Something extra to let you know Jesus loves you, to let you know God loves you. And so, so take a handful of those cards, especially as we get into fall and we move towards the holidays. Great time to couple generosity with the gospel and, and, and use that card in an act of generosity. So it could be something as simple as paying for the car behind you in the drive-thru. In fact, I did that a couple years ago. I paid for the, a car behind me in, in the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru. I think it was $3, $3. And um, we got a message on the church Facebook page uh, later that day from a, a, a woman who said, I thought, I thought God had forgotten about me. And I actually had to pull over into the parking lot and sit and cry and just thank God for that simple act that reminded me, God knows who I am. He's, he's, he's thinking about me. I'm on his radar. Come on, y'all. Just that little, just $3. Just $3 is all it took. And maybe, maybe, it's gonna, maybe it should be something more generous. Maybe, maybe you, you're, you're in a position where you could be really generous. Maybe you hook up the person in front of you or behind you in the checkout line at the supermarket. Uh, maybe you go to lunch today. Maybe you're comfortable eating in restaurants again. I, I'm so happy that I get to do that. And, and don't just leave a, a, a 15 or a 20% tip. Leave a 100% tip. Leave a 200% tip. And put a card in there. Just, hey, just something extra. Come on, everybody say extra. Extra. Go, use those cards to be generous and share the love of Jesus with people. It only works if there's extra. Don't use the card without an extra. Maybe you don't have all the means to do things like that, maybe, but you could, you could ask your neighbor, hey, could I, could I bake some fresh cookies for you? Are you, are you comfortable with home-baked goods? I know, I know people are careful right now. Are you comfortable? I'd love to just bake some cookies and just put that card right on the top, deliver, deliver to the neighbor. You can, you can do little things like that. Proverbs eleven twenty five: a generous person will what? prosper, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. It's refreshing. It's refreshing to be generous. In fact, I would say generosity is not an act. It's a character quality. It's a trait. It's who God asks us to be. And he gives us more 
so that we can be a blessing to others. All right, we're going to wrap it up. Number five, the principle for finances to make money work is integrity. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. One of my favorite conversations that I've ever had in our church, I think I shared this on a first Wednesday recently. Somebody made a a really generous gift to our church about two years ago now. Um, we, We didn't have a place. We built that playground out there and we didn't have a place for kids to put their shoes. And we had gone out and researched, what do those plastic shoe cubby things cost? And when I saw the price, I was like, mm, now I can put them on the floor. Put your little shoes, put your stinky little sweaty kid shoes on the floor. That's kind of how I felt about it. You'll be fine, it'll be okay. And somebody came and said, you know, it'd be really nice if we had a place for our kids to put the shoes. And I said, yeah, I know, I'd, I'd love to do that, but I'm not. I can't do that. I can't. And this person just said, well, what does it cost? And so I went and got the quote. I got the invoice. And, and we had looked multiple places. This was the best one. And um, they, they said, I'll, I'm going to go get on the online church giving you. The money will be there uh, today. I'm, I'm sending it through today. Go, go buy it. And then this person said something to me that I will never forget. They said, you, you want to know why I keep giving here? why I've given large gifts here. And I, I thought it was going to be like this great, I'm ready for this great leadership thing, you know. I'm thinking like, go ahead, tell me. T- go ahead, tell me. I thought it was going to be like, because your preaching is so incredible and I'm always so full. I just thought, I was ready, I was ready for the, you know, this great compliment. No, here's what they said. They said, we keep giving here because you always do what you say you're going to do with the money. So that's it. You do what you say you're going to do with the money. The Lord detests differing weights and dishonest scales do not please him. So, hey, like if you're in sales, you don't have to get every sale. Get the honest sales. And if you're in business, make honest deals. Come on, somebody. Be truthful. Be honest. Have it be a person of integrity. 2 Corinthians 8.21, for we are taking pains to do what is Right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. And here's the last principle that'll bring peace into your finances, and it's the principle of dependence. We tend to let God know when we need him, don't we? We tend to to be independent. We tend to be self-dependent until there's a crisis, until there's a moment that we're like, "Uh, God, uh, can you help? I want to encourage you today, if you want to get money right, go ahead and declare your dependence on God right now. Don't wait for the crisis. Don't wait for the moment that you're in pain. Don't wait for the moment that you realize you've made a mistake. We don't need to be independent. We need to be God-dependent. We value dependence, I think, a little bit too much. John 16, 24, Jesus says, until now, you didn't ask me for anything. You haven't asked. For anything in my name, ask, and you will what? Receive. And your joy, I love that, will be complete. Let's go back to the prodigal sin for a second. He came to his senses. He said, I got to get some, I got I to get my father's principles back. It says, I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I blew it. I sinned, I messed up against heaven and against you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Like, hey, I don't even care. You don't have to let me back into the family. Just give me a job. Just give me a job, dad. Any, anything. Just anything. And so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him, kissed him. So I love that song we sing here, run to the Father. I, I, just, I love that. Because when we've messed up, when we've blown it, and some of us today, we've messed up in the area of money, and I just want to tell you, it's okay. It's all right. You can come to your senses, and you can go back to the Father, and the Father's heart is, here, here they come, here they come. 
If you read the story, he throws a party. He, do, he doesn't give his son a job. He welcomes him, welcomes him back as son, shares all that he has with him. That's our heavenly father's heart towards us this morning. Would you stand to your feet all across the room as we close? I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And You know, n- none of this works without that initial moment where you begin a relationship with Jesus. And so if you haven't had that moment, I wanna invite you to make that decision today. Is Jesus your savior and your Lord? Have you surrendered your life to him? Have you had a moment where you received the free gift of salvation that he paid for on the cross? You can do that today with just a simple prayer. Just say, dear Jesus, please come into my heart. Save me. Make me part of your family. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done, for the life I've lived without you. From this day on, my life is yours. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I just felt real strong this week while I was preparing for you. And I know I've been, I've talked really fast today and I know I've been very direct. Maybe you're not used to that for me on a Sunday morning. Might feel a little more like a first Wednesday to some of you. But I want to help you. I'm tired of watching people get beat up because they just don't have healthy principles. God, he gives us some really easy ones that we can apply to our life. And I just wonder this morning, this is where I felt like God took me as I was preparing for today, is that that a lot of us have, have Jesus as Savior, but we don't have Jesus as Lord. Is he Lord? Sar, Shalom, Chief, General, the one in charge. Maybe it's not just in your finances. Maybe it's in other areas of your life where you've been trying to do it your own way and so the stress level is elevated. And I just want to encourage you this morning, churchgoer, Christ follower, Christian believer, is he your Lord? Is he in the chief? Is he the general? Is he the one in charge? And I want to give you just a a few seconds here to reconcile that with him. I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you that you have saved us. You are our savior. But you're more than that. You desire to be our Lord, the one in charge. So God, I I pray today, even in my own life, God, there are areas where I struggle. I wanna take charge. I wanna grab the reins. I wanna do things my way. I, I deviate from your principles so often and it results in turmoil and chaos and pain. Lord, help me. Help me to identify areas of my life right now, today, where you're not the Lord. Where I've just had you be Savior. God, in our church today, each and every person who's listening, each and every person who's watching online right now, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just, in a loving, gentle way, show us areas of our lives where you're Savior, but you're not Lord. And we invite the Prince of Peace, Sar Shalom, to come in Establish your principles, take charge. Teach us to do it your way so that we can experience peace. In the area of our finances, God, we choose today obedience, contentment, margin. We choose, God, we choose. We we declare again this morning, God, we're not dependent on ourselves, our own skills, our own talents, we're dependent on you. Every good thing that we have comes from you. And we want to steward it well. We want to honor you with it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you agree this morning, would you say amen? Amen, amen, amen. I know it's direct. I know it's straight. But I, I, I just, I want you to win in this area. And I, gotta, and I just want to tell you, I don't have to, it's kind of fun to be where we're at as a church now because I can just give you what the Bible says about topics like this because we don't need anything. That none of what I've shared today is out of, a, out of a need. I mean, we'll get more done faster with your generosity. Our vision moves at the pace of your generosity. That's, that's how it works. But we, we don't have a need. We don't have a bill that's not going to get paid. This is about you. This is about what God wants for you. In fact, I would encourage you to take it, test it, 
anywhere you want, any, any area of your life. God will show up when you put his principles first. Amen? All right, all right. Hey, I want to remind you before you go, you've got connection cards in the seat pocket in front of you. If it's your first time with us, we'd love to know that you were here. If you've got questions about the church or an area of your life that we could agree with you in prayer, please let us know on that. If you made a decision today to follow Jesus or recommit to Jesus, we'd love to know that so we can come alongside you in your next step spiritually. There's also a digital version of that connection card that's being posted on Facebook Live. YouTube Live and Church Online right now. So you folks who are joining us digitally, let us know what God is doing in your life and how we can come alongside and be a part of that with you. All right, love you guys so much. So awesome to be in God's house with you this morning. We're gonna sing one last time before we go. Come on, would you help me make some noise? Just give Jesus the best praise we possibly can. Love y'all, see you next week.